I take a drink, then the drink takes a drink, and then the drink takes a man. And I teared up when that guy, Mike, said that. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you are all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12-step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Hey, everybody. So welcome back to another episode of Sober Speak. That was the voice of Mr. Jeff A. that you heard at the beginning of this episode today. Uh, Jeff A. is uh, quite an extraordinary individual. I have no doubt that you are going to enjoy his story. Uh, One of my favorite things that Jeff said during the podcast was I had to let the clutch out. It was just another way of saying I had to let go and let God, and I had never heard it put that way before. So, but first things first, this episode is brought to you by Jennifer H. of Northern California. Jennifer went to our website, SoberSpeak.com, clicked on the donate tab and made a contribution. Thank you so much, Jennifer H., for your generous contribution. This episode is for you. Even though we're going to let everybody else listen in at the same time, this episode is dedicated to you. So I am just another bozo on the bus trying to make my way through this life here and stay sober with you guys one day at a time. Uh, earlier tonight, I had to, uh, remove myself from the, uh, living room where my family, my wife and my daughter actually were trying to, um, rescue our, uh, bearded dragon. Uh, we have a bearded dragon here at the house. Her name is Charlie. Yes, that's a her. And the name is Charlie. It's a long, long story. I won't go into it. But um, we, uh, she finally, when I say she, Charlie, finally woke up after seven months in hibernation. She went to sleep last August, and uh, she hasn't gotten up since, and we were trying to get her out. I should say my wife and my daughter were got her out of her uh, quarters, and we're trying to give her a little bit of exercise out in the living room, but lo and behold, she didn't want to have any of that. She just wanted to crawl up under the couch and was being difficult about uh, letting us have access to her under the couch, you should say. So uh, quite an interesting evening, and uh, one of the highlights of my life, or excuse me, of my week uh, was going to see my son in a play that he was in this past week. He was in The Three Musketeers. Uh, and uh, The Three Musketeers, he was actually one of the musketeers. In fact, there was one line 
uh, in the play, which I had forgot came from the Three Musketeers, and it was one for all and all for one, right? And it made me think about uh, our uh, fellowship uh, within Alcoholics Anonymous, right? We are one for all and all for one. One other thing I wanted to let you know about me and what I've kind of been thinking here throughout this week, and that is, there's a line in page 85 of the big book, and it says, every day is a day where we must carry the vision of all God's will into all of our activities. And I thought about that. Do I carry the vision of God's will into all of my activities? I know I pray about it. And I, I, I try, um, and I, I set out with good intentions, but when it really comes to it, and I'm talking to that customer service rep from AT&T on the phone, and I'm thinking about carrying the vision of God's will into all of my activities, do I do that? Do I, do I carry the vision of God's will into my words uh, with my family on a consistent basis uh, do I carry the vision of God's will into all of my activities, including my job and my boss and who I report to and, and everything that I do during the day? Do I actually carry the vision of God's will into all of my activities? So anyway, I've been thinking about that this week. All right, so let's go on to a little bit of listener feedback, and then we will go into Mr. Jeff A., Letitia writes in on Instagram. By the way, if you don't follow us on Instagram, um, I'm at at SoberSpeak, all one word, S-O-B-E-R-S-P-E-A-K. We would love for you to come out there and follow us and be part of the community. Letitia says, uh, hi, John. Thank you for your podcast and Spotify. I've been listening for four days now, and I can't stop listening. I know, I think I know is what she writes now that I'm an alcoholic. Almost all the stories are like they know my life. I've been trying to go to a group for a couple of years now, but at the last minute, I can't get the courage to go in, and then I convince myself that I'm not an alcoholic. I hope that by continuing to listen to you and your guests, that maybe one day it will help me. Thank you for all you do for me and all the ones that are still out there, quote, fighting, unquote, to get cured and take that first step. So I wrote back to Lakeisha and uh, I, excuse me, Letitia, and I said, uh, would you like for me to have one of my lady friends in Alcoholics Anonymous reach out to you and call you. And she said, thank you, John. I appreciate it very much. And I hope to be ready to work the steps soon. I'm, I am speechless right now. And to be honest, I am a lot scared of the steps, not a little. I hope that I can soon share with you that I finally made it to my first meeting. I'm kind of like Megan P and that I wish I could do AA one-on-one instead of through meetings. And like Alex Z, I will probably be that person that sits in the back of the room quietly. I know sooner or later, I need to make it to a meeting. But for now, your podcast is helping me greatly. So 
My offer still stands. Um, if you need me to have somebody reach out to you, Leticia, I'm more than happy to do that. Uh, you, God bless you and uh, uh, follow your heart. And, you know, it's interesting for me, folks. I realize now, not only through Leticia, but through a lot of people that actually write into the program that some folks are using this. When I say using this, they're, they're listening to Sober Speak as a way to determine if they indeed have a problem with alcohol or if they're an alcoholic and they're seeing if they actually relate to the stories. You know, I guess back in the old days, there was either a pamphlet or you looked up online the 20 questions that says, hey, I am an alcoholic or I'm not an alcoholic. You answered the questions. Some people lie to themselves and then and then you go on with life. Uh, but people are using Sober Speak to help determine if indeed they are a fit. And uh, uh, God bless you people that are out there doing that. Uh, if you have any questions of me, reach out to me through Instagram, or you can email me at uh, john at soberspeak.com or feedback at soberspeak.com. Or you can just reach out to me for anything else. Okay. Fabian writes in, hi, John M. I have two days of sobriety. I have been in and out of the program for the last six years. My original sobriety date was August 6th of 1990. And for 18 years, I was sober. I went back out in 2008, and I have been in and out ever since. My 29-year-old daughter is 30 days sober and invited me to a couple of meetings with her. I have been listening to your podcast for a couple of days now, and I love it. Thank you. Wow. 18 years sober, and then Mr. Fabian went back out and that uh, just goes to show you, sometimes we think we're going back out for a day or two. And the thing that always went through the back of my head, in fact, was just one more night of fun and then I'll start over tomorrow. But it never, ever worked out like that. So God bless you, Fabian. God bless your daughter. I'm glad you're both sober. Uh, I'm glad you're able to, to glean some insight from the podcast. And uh, you keep on keeping on. Keep coming back. It works if you work it, as they say. Okay, Jonathan writes in. And Jonathan is an Al-Anon member. He says, John, I wanted to reach out and let you know that your podcast is part of my spiritual recovery process. My qualifier, and I learned through my friend Spencer what that means, that means the person that qualifies them for the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. My qualifier is my beautiful boy, Michael M. At the age of 20, he is one day at a time sober now for over two years. As my son began his journey, I was left with my emotions caused by his addiction. To be honest, I was operating on Jonathan's power, which made me angry and resentful. I, in fact, thought that I had caused it and I could cure it. But that's what this disease does, makes you insane in your thinking and steals your serenity. As he completed his 12-step program and an 18-month sober living program, I was completely unmanageable in my thinking and actions. His programs would send out par parent newsletters, and there would be articles from parents saying how much things were better for their family and their son. And I said to myself, 
Why don't I have these same feelings? And that's when my higher power had an intervention with me. I had to do something. And the only thing that came to mind was to attend an Al-Anon meeting. My first meeting was hard because it challenged my thinking that was unmanageable and couldn't control my son's disease. But now... I am working my program of recovery. I have a sponsor and I'm working the steps. What I have learned most about what I have learned most about being an Al-Anon is how to accept and love my alcoholic son. Your podcast is my meeting between meetings. It helps me to understand the disease of alcoholism. I listened to the episode David G. Uh, I listen to the David G episode weekly, a very powerful insight to steps one, two, and three. I learned so much from that episode, David G steps one, two, and three, each time I listen to him. It's the right application of the steps when you work a program, Jonathan. Thank you so much, Jonathan. God bless you. God bless your son, Michael. I'm so glad that you found your own stride within Alcoholics Anonymous, and I'm glad that your son is doing so well. That's fantastic. Um, Jim writes in. Jim says, hey, thanks, John. Sober Speak has been such a blessing to me. 19 days sober at this time, and I have a sponsor, and I'm now writing out my step four. We met Saturday and went page by page through the book, through the big book, uh, through step three, and then I talked about how to do step four. Thanks to your guest and you, John, I understand the what and the why of the steps, the role of the sponsor, the program, and the process of recovery. And I have LMAO laugh my ass off many times along the way and shed a few tears as well. AA meetings are magical and they are spiritual. Sober Speak is my meeting between meetings. Thank you so much, John. Well, thank you, Mr. Jim. I'm glad you're getting into that four step and I'm glad you're working through it. God bless you. Keep coming back. It works if you work it, as they say. Jennifer writes in, Hi, John. I'm four months sober and it feels amazing. Yeehaw, Jennifer. That's me, not Jennifer. I have enjoyed so many of your podcasts and get so happy when I see a new episode posted. I really enjoyed your interview with Vanessa Sanford about guilt and shame. I'm a big fan of Brene Brown and it was so wonderful to hear her explain in succinct layman's terms. Uh, Brene's uh, uh, precepts. These are such important concepts in working through my own issues in sobriety and as a parent. Keep doing what you're doing. It helps me tremendously. Exclamation point. Take care, Jennifer. Thank you, Jennifer. I'll pass that on to Miss Vanessa. And uh, I'm so glad you enjoyed the episode and the podcast. All right. One last letter here, and then we're going to be on to Miss. Jeff A. Sharon writes in. Sharon's another Al-Anon. She says, Hi, John. I am happy to have stumbled across this podcast. It gives me clarity on what my alcoholic, I love that. Oh, wait a sec. My alcoholic relatives and friends, excuse me, are going through. It gives me more compassion. I very much enjoy listening to everyone's story. I listen to a few other podcasts AA and Al-Anon as well. I am happy to add this podcast to my collection and I have given the link to others. Exclamation point. 
Thank you again, exclamation point, Sharon. Well, Sharon from Al-Anon, God bless you. Thank you for writing in. Sure do appreciate it. And now we are on to Mr. Jeff A. Enjoy, everybody. Okay, everybody. So we are sitting here today with Mr. Jeff A. Can you say hello to everybody, Jeff A.? Hello, everybody. Um, Jeff is uh, coming in here today. I've been uh, looking forward to doing this uh, interview. Uh, I have known Jeff now for, I would imagine, five years or so, something like that, right in that area. Right. And um, so one of the first questions I want to ask you about, Mr. Jeff, is I know, and we'll get to your recovery, and I'm curious as to how this actually relates to your recovery. In other words, I know you are a triathlete i guess you are into triathleticism <laughs> that's that right. a word <laughs> so you're a triathlete you're an iron man you're all that's all that stuff that yeah. i am way removed from <laughs> and uh, and it just it takes a lot to do what you do i know so why don't you tell me a little bit about your uh, your your physical activities, your training, and then how does that relate to your recovery? Yep, yep. Okay, good question. I get that a lot. So, um, it, well, first of all, it's the responsibility of other people, or it is the the it is the product of other people in AA influencing me is what it is. So, so I was, did you not participate in this before you got in AA? Oh no. Absolutely not. I thought after, after a meeting one day, I was, um, I was around a group of guys that said they're going to go run around this local college that we had around the meeting. And, and I said, run, please. That's easy. So I went with them and I got destroyed. I mean, they were way, way out in front of me. And I mean, I just, and from then on, I started running with those guys and, um, from that, I started I started running different five uh, k's, which was a huge distance for me at the time, which is three miles is what it equates to, and um, I just um, I just fell in love with it. Um, when you say it, first of all, and let me back up. I should yeah. my, my fault. I should have asked this on the front end. What is your sobriety date, if you could? Sure, say? sure. Let me introduce myself. Yes. So I'm Jeff, and I'm an alcoholic, and. I got sober on July 2nd of 2000 this time. July 2nd of 2000. So that implies there were other times? Yes, sir. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Uh, first one was January the 24th of 96. And I believe the next one was August of 98. So how come it didn't stick the first times and how come it stuck this last time? Um. Well... It takes, you know, honestly, it just takes what it takes. I was not plugged in. You know the story. This, it's the same same thing. I wasn't going to meetings. I didn't have a sponsor, and I was not serious about working the steps. Gotcha. All right, so let me go back to your to your uh, triathletism. Right. <laughs> so, so how did you go from running to being an Ironman sure. and tri- triathlete and all that sort of stuff? You know, it's just like any other addiction. I, I started out small, and and then it just it just it just uh, bombarded on itself. You know, <laughs> so I I started out with five Ks, and um, my goal was to beat this one girl that was in the program that was also a runner, and she would always beat me. So 
I finally kind of got to where I was in front of her. Well, then she, she registered for a half marathon and I thought, okay, well, she can do that. I can do that too. And so it just, you know, I went and did that. And a few years later I got into, um, I got the bug and I decided around 2008 or so I said, okay, well I'm going to do a marathon and me and this guy that I was working with, we decided we were going to do this training plan for a marathon. And, um, it was brutal knowing what I know now. I did not need to train that much, (laughs) but being super, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I, I like to do things perfectly. I'm super obsessive compulsive. So I, I followed that freaking training plan and I got it done. And we ran, we ran our first marathon somewhere around 2008 or so. So how did that go? Not very comfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Where were you? Was it here in the Dallas? It was a, it was a, it was the Dallas marathon. Okay. Yep. And so after I did that, this other guy at AA said, oh, you do marathons. Well, that's cute. I do that at the end of my race and he was doing Ironmans. So an Ironman is a 2.4 mile swim, a 112 mile bike followed by a 26.2 mile marathon. So I thought, oh yeah, you can do that. Well, I'm going to go register for a triathlon. You sound like a pretty competitive guy. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Only since I've been in AA. (laughs) Right. I did not have the confidence to do this before. So let me, have, has it, do you, has it helped you in recovery? Are you able to, you know, like uh, go through steps and stuff while you're running? Talk to me about your recovery and your athletic endeavors. So I got into, I got into exercise in general when I was brand new in the program, but, um, and it's, it's always helped me. Exercise has always helped me. Um, mostly high intensity exercise, like lifting weights, um, sprints, things like that. But, um, in about 2003, 2004, around there, I was having problems with, um, depression and other things that I'll talk about in my story. And I, I just, um, I started running and it kind of fixed all those issues. It really corrected all those, um, all those problems I had with uh, slowness of thinking and, you know, just um, sluggishness and, and all kinds of items like that. Really? Yes. Okay, well, let's talk uh, about those other things. Uh, what, did it, what did it help to alleviate? What was going on with you? Um, yeah, so I was, I was actually, I was, uh, I was really struggling with uh, some uh, psychiatric treatment that I was getting. And, um, I, I had to take a lot of different meds and I was seeing a therapist at the time and, um, nothing was working. And I had been praying, praying, praying about this. And, um, I talked to my doctor and we decided to start weaning myself off of the meds. And to do that, it really helped me to get involved with exercise as well. Really? Big time. I mean, it made me able to sleep at night, helped me to be able to acts like a normal functioning person again. That is fantastic. So, so basically, and you know, different things work for different people, as you know, I mean, absolutely. Some people need to stay on the meds. Some people can get it with exercise. Some people get it through diet. I mean, there's, and that's why you have to experiment. Absolutely. And I would not ever have done that without, and I, without the, without the 
reference of a doctor, right? So I would not, I would not recommend that anybody try that on their own without right. talking to a doctor. Okay, so take me back once again to that period from ninety six to two thousand. Is that right? Where, where you were kind of going in and out of the program? Sure. So, and what happened is in um, nineteen ninety six, I was. Uh, we used to go. We used to only like to party in places that it was. It was. Uh, we weren't going to really get in much trouble, right? So. I will happen to have um, one of our favorite partying places was to go to Bible study on Wednesday nights at church. <laughs> and um, I happened to be there this one Wednesday night and um, I had a pocket full of stuff that I shouldn't have had with me. And I got, um, I got in a struggle argument slash wrestling match with this other kid up there. It wasn't much of a wrestling match because I lost real fast, but he... Um, he choked me out and picked me up off the ground and let go. And I fell and I splatted my head on the concrete. Um, obviously I don't remember a thing. All I remember is waking up in the hospital three weeks later. Really? So I did, I had been to, believe it or not, I had been to one meeting before that happened. So in January of 96, I had been to one meeting with my, with a buddy of mine that I was, doing things I shouldn't be doing with. And, um, then that happened and I didn't have another drink for 11 months. Wow. So, okay. Well, first of all, when you went to that one meeting, was that because you volunteered to do that or did you feel some sort of outside pressure? I wanted to see what he had going on and why this guy was, was going to those meetings. So, and the other reason was, uh, I heard that you could buy and smoke cigarettes in there without getting in trouble. And I was only 16 years old. So. All right. So then, so you're 16 and then I guess you stayed sober till you were 17 because of this, uh, uh, accident. Sure. So, um, needless to say, I was scared to death and I just, I, um, I ended up having to be out of school for six months. So of course I had to repeat my grade in the middle of high school. So I was pretty humiliated when I, when I, uh, repeated my grade, I ended up having to go to another school, a secondary school. So I, I was, um, I stayed home on the weekends all by myself cause I was afraid of myself. And what do I you mean, mean by afraid of yourself, help me with that. So in the big book, it talks about, um, or Bill talks about in his story, he says, fear sobered me up for a bit. And, uh, that's pretty much my experience. That's what happened with me. I just, uh, I was so scared. The only thing I, I could do is to stay away from other people and just wallow in self pity all by myself at my house. Hmm. And, uh, that's what kept me sober. Okay. So that's into your, I guess, uh, junior year. Now you're getting up into your senior year. So when did you start to realize, I guess, again, that you had a problem with alcohol and you needed to do something? Well, I was actually, I was born here in the Dallas area. So, um, we grew up, I grew up in Garland. My family was super normal, but my, my mom and my dad used to fight at night because of, um, kind of what was going on with, with her drinking and what have you. And I didn't really, I didn't really acknowledge it when I was a little kid. And, um, by the time I was, uh, eight or 
seven, eight years old, somewhere around there, my, uh, my mom had stopped drinking completely and I didn't know what was going on. And, um, when I was about, um, when I was 11 or when I had just turned 12 years old in 1991, my, um, I had, I had just got home from school and my sister was there. My sister was there at my house and my, uh, apparently my, my dad had fallen over in the backyard and my mom had found him out there and he was, um, he had had, he had had a stroke slash heart attack and he was watching his watch and he had a, they rushed him to the hospital. Long story short, he ended up passing away a few days later. So I was, that was just, um, when I was about, um, I was, you know, I was just at that stage of my life that I was really needing my dad. And I mean, I, I just felt like I was really without, without anybody. Right. So anyhow, telling you that because shortly after that, my mom started drinking again and she started drinking heavily again. Don't blame her. Right. But Hey, she, I, uh, I didn't really know. I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't know how to process it. I didn't know what was going on. I was 12 years old. Right. But, um, I had heard, I had heard about, um, my sisters wanting to go out and hang and party on the weekends. They were older. I've got two older sisters. I've got an older brother as well. And, um, I, uh, I asked my older sister if she could go get me some alcohol, you know, cause I wanted to, I wanted to be able to do this thing that they were doing. Um, my mom, my mom was kind of using it as relief and I didn't know it at the time, but I, all I knew is that something was not right. I knew something was not right with me and I wanted to feel okay. My sister got me, got me a, uh, a pint of Jim beam, um, after I had asked her and I took that thing home and I had it hidden in the corner of my room, never drank it. But this one night, I think it was, it was probably a weekend night or something. I drank about half of that bottle. And I remember drinking it. Um, I felt warm all over. I was, um, I just, I didn't have a care in the world. And I thought, man, here I am. I mean, I was about 12 and I thought, I thought, man, this, whatever I feel right now is awesome. And I loved being able to hide it in the corner of my room. So I knew that I had some, some kind of antiseptic that was available for me at my disposal to make me feel okay. Cause I couldn't stand the way that I felt. So you're drinking by yourself, right? At 12. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wasn't like a party situation. You were just trying to kind of numb out a little bit. Yep. That was the, so that was, that's how it, that's kind of how it started for me. Um, after that, I started making friends real quickly at school and, um, okay. What's the connection there? What do you mean by that? I, uh, before that I had, uh, I had really withdrawn. So my, so right, let me back up. So after my dad had passed away, I withdrew from everything. I stopped playing sports. I stopped being involved at school. I could not do, and I mean, I was in a lot of fear, right? I mean, and that's not, that's not anything. I mean, that's not, that's any 12 year old kid doesn't know how to process the death of a parent. Right. I mean, that's what was going on there, but what's, uh, but when I introduced the alcohol into my life, man, I mean, that was my solution from immediately. 
I mean, that was immediately my solution. So when I, when I got back involved in school and got back around friends and things like that, the alcohol made it a lot easier for me to be around friends and, uh, not have, not have any inhibitions on meeting new people. And I uh, love that. And I uh, love that for that's why I'm here. <laughs> right? <laughs> Loved it too much, right? Yeah, exactly. So it was a social lubricant. For oh, you. yeah, for sure. And did you get back involved in sports and all that kind of stuff after that? So thanks to alcohol, I got back involved in sports. And um, I got, um, oh, I'm sorry. No, I didn't. Not not right away. That that happened a little later. So, so I talked about, um, so I talked about my accident that I had when I was, when I was 16, right? So I was a sophomore, let's see, I was halfway through my sophomore year at the time. And I, um, I had, uh, my mom had remarried by this time, by the way. And, um, I had, um, I had gotten, so I had, I drank, I started drinking again halfway through my, um, sophomore year the second time i was a sophomore so does that make sense yeah so, right so i got i'm i said that because i'm having a hard time following me now here <laughs> going back in the timeline <laughs> when i started drinking again it was just like it was when i was in seventh grade again all of a sudden it was real easy to make friends and all of a sudden i wasn't afraid of anything all of a sudden i was going up and i was able i mean all the all the other guys were going out to play baseball I went out to go play baseball and man, none of this was, I mean, not, not saying that I don't, I don't, I love baseball and everything like that, but man, I am not a natural baseball player. I'll just say it. I'll say that much. Right. So I went out there and, um, just to show you how, how much ego has involved, has involved in your, in your behavior and what have you. My first game, I hit the game winning home run and I, at the time was not an athlete at all. And I'll also say the second game, I lost the whole game for everybody. (laughs) I mean, it was just, but I didn't, I mean, this is all stuff that was alcohol induced, alcohol induced behavior, just, you know, chaotic nuts, you know? Did you ever go back to that Bible study, by the way? So I continued. Yeah. So the Bible study that I was involved with that I had my accident at, I, uh, I've, stayed involved with all through high school. And even after I was, I was an outcast. Um, I was absolutely not really accepted because most of the people there, they were like, Oh, that's that guy that was doing stuff. He shouldn't have been doing at the church. He really made us look bad. That's kind of the feeling that I got from that. Mm -hmm. And even though knowing what I know now, that is probably not what was going on. But to me, I thought that's what they thought about me, right. what was going on. And, um, did you ever get in a wrestling match with that kid? <laughs> I, I'll tell you what, that kid saved my life when he, when he choked me out and had me hit my head. What do you mean? So after, after that happened, I, I, and a series of, um, you know, tons of, tons of drinking and chaos and just, you know, absolute madness through through high school after that i came to aa i got i got to aa again you know but i mean man within i mean after i had my accident and i was going to this other school i ended up having to go to this school 
or I got to go to this great school in East Dallas and over in, in the area where we were in school, we, uh, I got involved with a bunch of kids that were a lot different than it was, they were doing a lot of illegal stuff. So yeah. I got, um, when I needed money, I figured out that I could go up and down the alleys of, uh, the homes over there. And we ended up stealing lawnmowers and we take them to the pawn shop. And I also figured out I didn't have to buy food anymore. I could just go into the grocery store and pull stuff out of the aisle, shove it in my pocket. And if I needed stuff, anything, I could just go up to the mall, get an empty shopping bag, put stuff in there and walk out of the store and nothing ever happened to me. I mean, I never got in trouble for that. I mean, I never, I never really got, I never got arrested. I mean, nothing, nothing ever happens by, by the time I was, um, 18, my parents were, had absolutely had it with me. I mean, I was, I was home drunk every single night and I spell, I smelled like I fell in a vat. That's what they said. They, they used to tell me, they were like, you smell like you fell in a beer vat. So don't tell me you haven't been drinking. And even my school used to tell me, they said, look, Jeff, you're good. You're good at baseball. Great. You pitch for us. Great. But we cannot tolerate your behavior. And I thought, how could they do that? How could they do that? I'm making straight A's. I mean, I'm making straight A's. And to me, I mean, I'm, I'm doing all, I'm hanging out with all the cool kids, right? And I mean, I was, I was the top dog. That's what I thought. And I mean, how, how dare they treat me like that, right? But um, I wasn't aware of my behavior. I had no idea what, what was going on. And I didn't know that they knew. <laughs> I didn't know that they knew. They knew what? That I was drinking and using the way that right. I was. You know, one of the funny things, uh, Jeff and I go to the same home group uh, here in uh, Frisco, Texas. And one of the things that uh, cracks me up is I've heard Jeff say before, hey, I am Jeff A. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Don't you people know who I am? That's right, right. And so that kind of dovetails into that particular oh, line yeah. of thought that you have. So talk to me about that. I mean, how has that come up in your life? When I was about to start my senior year for uh, a year late, I was really partying. I was really, really partying hard with, um, with, uh, the guys that were friends of mine that just graduated high school. So a few of those guys were going to, you know, really prestigious universities and, you know, they were all over the place. A lot of, some of the guys were going to, uh, the army and, you know, stuff like that. And I mean, here I was, I was going to have to do another year of high school. Right. So, I just thought, oh, I just pulled up, I sat back and I pulled up my boots perhaps. And I, I just said, you know what? I don't care what anybody says. I'm better than them. And I had that thinking going on in my life. So um, I'm, I'm gone every night that summer and I come home one day, put my key in the lock and, um, and I turn the lock and it won't open. My, the lock to my parents' house is, is completely, it's, I mean, they changed the locks. And I figured it out after about <laughs> two or three minutes because I tried every single every single lock on the house. And uh, I banged on the door and my mom answered and she said, can we help you? And I'll never forget that. <laughs> and I just thought, you got to be kidding me. Do you know? I mean, I, th I thought that, you know, I was like, what? How dare they? How dare they treat me like this? 
I mean, I'm, I'm their youngest son, for God's sakes, right? So she said, she said, look, you can either find somewhere else to, to live or you can go to treatment. And I said, oh, yeah? Well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to, you know who I am? I'm going to find somewhere else to live. And I went upstairs and I got my, I got my guitar and my little amp and my as many clothes as I could fit into a big duffel bag. And I marched out of that house <laughs> and I went to every single friend's house that I knew. And every single one of their parents was there waiting. And they said, Hey Jeff, you can't stay here unless you go to treatment. Uh, uh, <laughs> the fix was and, in. Yeah. So they had, I thought, Oh no, they've let them know the word is out. No. And you know, I mean, I just, it was, it was humiliating. And I mean, I was, I was 18 at the time and I just thought, I was just like, great. So I, I had to, I ended up having to go back home. So obviously they had broached the subject of going to treatment with you before oh, yeah. and oh, you yeah. had resisted up to this point. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So you went back home. Yeah. So I went back home and, um, my parents that very night, um, marched me up to an outpatient treatment center. And, um, I only made probably the last hour or so of it. And, um, that was, that was sometime around July or August of 98 at the time. And I had just, um, I didn't want to be there. I drank the first weekend that we were out on, on treatment center, whatever, you know, going out on the weekends and, um, I got back the next Monday and, um, all these, all that we did there is we, we talked about, we talked about the steps. We talked about, um, what we're going to do to stay sober. And I was looking around, I was like, who the heck are these people? I had no idea that other, that there was any kind of recovery out there. I didn't even know what AA was. I didn't know anything about it. And, um, I'll tell you, I made my first meeting when I was there in that treatment center. And I'll never forget sitting in, in my first meeting. Well, my first meeting after needing to get sober. <laughs> right. And, um, all I could think was, I can't believe that these people are smoking if they're trying to get healthy <laughs> because it was just smoke filled. <laughs> and this other man in there, he said, he said something, he said, I take a drink, then the drink takes a drink, and then the drink takes a man. And I teared up when that guy, Mike, said that. And, um, you know, that really got me. And it was like in the center of my chest. That was just one of those, you know, when somebody shares something that really gets you. And that, and from that moment on, I, I just, I realized that, holy crap, I, there are other people out there it doesn't matter that I'm only 18 years old. There are other people out there that have this same, I take a drink, the drink takes a drink, and then the drink just takes me over. I thought that was just me. I did not know that there was an actual disease out there. You know, and from that moment on, I've been an alcoholic. All right, so we will be continuing our conversation with Jeff A. in just a moment. Just a reminder, you are listening to Sober Speak. Uh, you can find us on the web at www.soberspeak.com, uh, and there you will find our entire back catalog of uh, 
uh, episodes you can listen to for free. You can also find uh, the donate button on our website. Uh, if the spirit moves you to do such, you can use that. Please keep in mind, this is a podcast funded by you, the listener. Sober Speak is a self-supporting organization through our own contributions. We are not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution. We do not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorse nor oppose any causes. All right, now back to Mr. Jeff A. So Jeff, when I when you came over today uh, to record this episode, you had asked me if I had heard, we were talking about the mic and the mic setup uh, for people out there who want to know that. He goes, have you ever heard any of my songs out there? <laughs> and I said, songs? What song? No, I haven't. Where would I have heard that? And so I'm just curious, what, what kind of songs do you have out there for the general public? So growing up, my, my dad was actually uh, really huge into music and he he trained us to play piano and sing and um i've always been in in music my whole life um in high school i was performing arts musician and um after a little bit i played i still i still have a wall of guitars and a piano at my house so yep um so i i write in my in our triathlon group in our running club i usually i'll take songs by famous artists of some kind like i've done um like darius rucker for example i've done like a couple of songs of his and from hootie and the blowfish oh yeah and i'll rewrite their songs the lyrics of their songs and make it verse towards triathlon and endurance training and Ah, things like that okay gotcha (laughs) well give me an example like what to one of the and do you sing these songs or play these songs Uh right okay well like what would one of the songs be that you uh I'm glad you should ask that as a matter of fact. So, um, so, you know, the Justin Bieber song can't stop the feeling or wait, is that Justin Bieber? Who is that? that Justin Timberlake? That's what I said. Justin Timberlake. (laughs) So instead of saying, so he says, I can't stop the feeling. And we say, I can't stop the Iron Man, you know? So so we, yeah, I, we've, I've rewritten a couple. So of you have but. a variety of these oh, yeah. songs uh-huh. out on your. Right. You say you put them on your Facebook page. It's on YouTube. Yeah, Iron, on YouTube. Iron songs. Is, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Oh, look it up. Yeah. Cool. Hey, don't judge. I'm in recovery. <laughs> don't judge. <laughs> All right. So let's get back to your story. This. So you're. It looks like you're about to enter into Alcoholics Anonymous after you went through that treatment program. What happened from there? So I'm in this treatment program and I'm surrounded with all these people that are, that are in AA that had gotten sober when they were my age or, or a little, I'm sorry, they were about five years older or so when they got sober, Hmm. most of them. Hmm. Um, but anyhow, I thought, oh my gosh, I can't believe there are other people out here like this. So, um, their job was just to get me plugged into AA and, um, and yeah, and um, I I just got in in the habit of going to school every day. After that, I would go to my treatment center. Then I would go to an AA meeting afterwards, and I would do homework in between, in between school and in between the time school ended and my treatment center started. So it was fall for me, so there was no no big sports thing going on. I couldn't play football because my uh because my head injury that i had had um i was in um are you still limited in your activities because of that my injury? wife would agree with that 
Um, and, no, I mean, do you have so, to be careful that you don't fall off your bike or whatever? Oh, or? well, sure. Just like, but uh, so yeah. So the head injury, basically what happened there is I was, I was a closed head injury. So there was no open head wound thing going on, but, um, I, I was in a coma for six days and I was in the hospital for two weeks and then I was in rehab for the head injury for six months. So during that time I learned my basic motor skills again, like coordinated walking, um, swallowing, um, hand, hand movements. And I also, it also really rehabilitated me because I started working out. I started lifting weights, started stretching and learning how to take care of myself what did you make a full recovery so to speak um yeah mm, absolutely yeah good i didn't know if there were some any sort of lingering effects so basically the lingering effect is that i'm basically i have a severe form of add but my parents argue that i have had that my entire (laughs) life (laughs) so but the the endurance training helps. Talk about your ADD a little bit. That's kind of interesting to me too. How does that help or hurt in Alcoholics yep. Anonymous? Well, so I, my sponsor that I had one time told me he said, Jeff, you know what ADD stands for? Another damn drunk. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, we all kind of have attention problems at one form or another, especially in our society these days. I think that you know, with cell phones and everything else, distractions. I mean, it's right. easy to have those kind of symptoms. Yeah. But you know, I have noticed that actually during this interview, I always take notes when the guests are over here of what they're saying, uh, because I want to go back and I want to either ask some more questions or I want to reference it later. And whenever I start actually jotting something down on my notepad here, uh, you are more keenly right. It, it really throws you off. So I was trying to be kind of uh, careful about that. But so I can see it, right? Put Just right see- on your notepad. Yeah, there. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's get back. So once again, uh, take me into your uh, entrance in Alcoholics Anonymous. Sure, sure. So, um, so here I am. I'm I'm 18 years old. I'm thinking I'm completely different than everybody else. I didn't know what the heck was going on with me. I thought I was I was just a depressed kid that had now had a head injury. So I was uh, under the care of all these medical guys and what have you and. I mean, I just thought I was different and there was nobody like me. So I start going to this meeting and one of the first people I meet is this other guy that had had a head injury, that had severe head trauma that was in there. And I was like, what? What is going on here? And they were going around the room and they were sharing. And I, I just, I thought, how could this be so just like me? All these people are exactly like I am. You gotta be kidding me. So naturally... Um, I saw what they did and I decided they're doing that. Well, I got to do what they're doing. I've got to do what they're doing. And so I just, I just started following these guys and there were all these old guys up there at the time. Um, and when I say old, I mean only 10 years older than me at that time. So they were probably, you know, 35 or so. And I just thought, Oh, those guys are so old, you know? So I, I started, I started, hanging out with these guys and I started talking with these guys and smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee with Great. these guys. You learned how to smoke cigarettes. I and learned drink how coffee. to smoke cigarettes and drink coffee in AA. That's right. <laughs> so I didn't do either of those before, but man, I loved getting my heart rate way up with all the stuff that I was doing before I came into the program and I figured out that's another way I can do it in the program. Right. So yeah, I took I took 
I took to that pretty well. And you know, those guys, those men, those those guys in AA took me out on the weekends. We go to IHOP till three o'clock in the morning, drinking coffee and talking and laughing, smoking. Yeah. And we would go to meetings all over Dallas. And, uh, one of the coolest, one of the coolest places that we got to go was the, uh, 24 hour club down in Dallas and the 24 hour club. For those of you that don't know, it's a place that has, um, people living there that are trying to get their lives back on track for that are in recovery. So, they have a restaurant in there and they have, um, all night, they have meetings all the time and it, it's a awesome, awesome place. And we used to go down there and we would talk to people that were new in the program and I was new in the program, but, um, they had $1 gigantic pancakes that we could eat. I mean, they were bigger than basketball and it was awesome. And I mean, I just, um, some of those guys, I mean, we would, we'd go out and we would play pool down downtown and it was just, it was, it was a great time in my life. That's great. That's great. So that was the beginning. So tell me about your first swim through the steps and what you thought about it. So my first, my first time through the steps, um, I had, I had a guy that, um, that was, uh, 27 years old. He goes, he actually, goes back to the Frisco group now. And he's, um, he was, um, he was real serious about this thing. He lived in an apartment that had, um, it had its own bathroom, its own kitchen. He had his own car and his own job (laughs) and his parents didn't live near him. And I thought, I want to be like this guy. (laughs) This guy is my, I mean, I want to be just like this guy. We read the big book cover to cover um, incrementally. And we did exactly what it said. Both of us did. And it was awesome. And then about four months later in recovery, I heard somebody sharing in a meeting that, Hey, if you don't like your sponsor, you can get another one. And I thought, really? (laughs) So I thought, you mean I don't have to work this hard in recovery? I'm going to get another sponsor. So I decided I found this other guy that um at the group at the time that spoke english but it was very he was from he had a very foreign accent like broken english yeah and so i thought well that guy's gonna be my sponsor (laughs) (laughs) i couldn't i don't know how i stayed sober for those next couple of months (laughs) because i was all I was doing is I was I was talking to this guy and I was hanging out with that group of guys that had 12 stepped me into the program, right? Or that had really taken me under their wing in the program. And me and those guys started um, playing. We got a hacky sack one night, one Friday night. We used to go to the late meetings. We had 10 o'clock meetings on the weekends and um, me and and Blake and Sebastian and all those guys, we would play on the, we would play hacky sack till 1am. And it was, it was so much fun. And we kept that going for about three years. Um, the only time people, we would say the only time people are not playing hacky sack on the weekends is if they have a girlfriend. And that (laughs) always happened. Those guys would break off. And if we didn't see them, it's because they, they started dating a girl with the group. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's what and that's that's how it went. And it was it was great. 
And um, I I started, um, I eventually got another sponsor. Um, and this and this time, um, I was, um, by this time I was, I had graduated high school, right? I was sober, I was sober for 11-ish months or so at the time, I think. And I started going to, I started going to college. All my friends were going away to college and I decided, well, I'm going to stay, I'm going to stay around here. I got to stay around these, my AA friends. Cause I can't, I don't trust myself to go anywhere else. I don't, I can't go away. My brother went to school in West Texas. I thought there's no way I could stay sober out there. I mean, heck I went out there when he went to college and drank with him. <laughs> I mean, there's no way I could do that. So I stuck around here and, um, I, um, I started doing, I saw what all these guys were doing with helping others and answering the phones, cleaning the ashtrays. And I always did that. I always did that at the group. And then she came along. Ah, who's she? So I've, I, uh, I'm, I have met this, uh, wonderful person. She is, she, I'm sure she, she was great person that was uh, of the group when I was about 20 years old she was she had come in brand new and I thought this is the girl for me and when you say brand new she was new into the program right that's right gotcha yeah, yeah she was brand new and so you were how sober at that point a couple years oh, I was a year I was probably a, a year and six months sober about gotcha. something like that and so I love one of my favorite speakers is this guy named Mickey B and I've heard of him. He's an English guy, is that that's right? right? Yeah, he's an English guy, and he's got all these acronyms that he's created for recovery. And one of my this this next part of this part of my recovery that I'll talk about, I'll just call it relationship. And Mickey B says relationship. That's R E L A T I O N S H I P. That stands for really emotional love affair turns into obsessive nightmare sobriety hangs in peril (laughs) couldn't be more true in my case so i got so i'm dating i'm dating this girl and it was it was just that and this girl this girl had um problems other than alcohol and i decided that um she she was taking a lot of things to make her feel different and it was it was uh, prescribed by a doctor, and I thought, wait, wait a minute, that's not fair. I'm, <laughs> that's not fair. <laughs> I'm in recovery too, and I mean, I I don't take that stuff, and I I I just uh, so we were dating, everything was going good. Well, her dad came up here one day in the middle of the summer, packed all her stuff out up, and moved her away to. Uh, Austin or something like that, right? And Dallas and Dallas, Fort Worth and Austin are not that far, but they're just far enough. So I thought, oh no, what am I going to do? And I just, how come he packed her up? Do you know? Uh, yeah, just, uh, she was having issues with school and what have you, okay. college and stuff. But she, uh, so anyway, um, long story short, I, I ended up, um, going to see a psychiatrist, and I told him the problems that I was having, which were not true. I wasn't. Uh, <laughs> wait, wait a sec. They were. You were. You were kind of making up problems. So I was. I, I. I. will say that I 
increase the level of the problems that I was having <laughs> to make it sound like a little, a little greater because I didn't want to feel the way that I was feeling. And so what was the motivation? Oh, well, maybe we're getting to that. The motivation for increasing your problems was something to do with medicine. Is oh that? yeah. Okay. Gotcha. I knew if I told the psychiatrist that I was feeling a certain way, that he would give me something to make me not feel that way. And I wouldn't have to drink and be humiliated to go back up and get another desire chip at the group, right? Gotcha. That was my fear. Wow. And so um, totally at this time, this time in my life, I was, by the way, I was totally, I had failed a lot of my classes in college. I had, I had not been, I, had, I was not focused. I was all over the place. And I was just everything. I mean, this was just like the, the uh, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back. And I just, uh, I was either going to drink or, you know, something crazy. So he prescribed me, he prescribed me all these meds. I went home. Um, this was about July of two. Th no, no, I'm sorry. This is about June of 2000. And um, I went home. And I took one of these sleeping pills that he had given me to go to sleep with because I had so many psychiatric issues. You were so stressed was, out that I you couldn't so sleep. I was so stressed out. Yeah, right. exactly. So I took one of these pills and I couldn't go to sleep. 30 minutes later, I took another pill and I still couldn't go to sleep. And um, so then I got up and I took another one of these pills. And then I thought, well, man one pill doesn't work, two doesn't work, three doesn't work, the whole bottle's got to work. So I took that whole bottle of sleeping pills oh, wow. um, at a year and about 10 months sober um, and from 98 to 2000. And I just, um, after that, I I remember I had I came to over at a friend's house from high school um, and I, he had, I was drinking a beer he had told me that I pushed through them and went to his fridge and got the beer and started drinking it. And uh, thank God I was throwing up and I threw up most of the pills. I woke up the next day after this drinking bout and I remembered running into a 7-Eleven in my underwear trying to yank, trying to do a beer run and stuff like that. And I just, uh, I just thought, oh my gosh, what a horrible nightmare. And I burped. And I tasted the beer and I was like, oh no, it's real. And just all the drama and all this fear just shoot shot through my head. And I just thought, oh no, I am going to look so bad because I'm going to have to go back up to the group and get another chip. And I did that day. I went up to, I went back up to the, to the group that I was going to in Dallas and, um, and I tried to reestablish my sobriety date. If you if you remember trying to get sober, and those of you that are trying to get sober, I don't get to pick my sobriety date. I mean, I I tried to I tried to make it happen. I tried to force myself back into recovery, and man, I hit that revolving door for a month. I mean, I could not stick myself back in into being sober. That was a huge shot to my pride. I just thought, man, here I am with all, all this recovery under my belt. And I can't, all I could think of when I was drinking is I take a drink, the drink takes a drink and the drink takes a man. And it was just, 
it just made me so sad. And when I was out there and for those months and, or for those, well, it seemed like years in that summer, every day I would wake up and it was like the new worst day of my life. It was awful. And I just thought I can't, I, I can't, I can't live like this. And I could not make myself sober again. Thank God I ran into this guy, this guy, David, and uh, this other guy, Mark, at, at the group. And I told this guy, Mark, I was crying. And I was just like, hey, man, look, I've already tried AA. And I know um, I've worked the steps. And I, I just I know it's not going to work for me. And he, he, looked at, he looked at me square in the face. And I'll never forget. And he just goes, well, you know what, Jeff? Why don't, why don't we just work the steps and try AA one more time just to prove that it's not going to work for you? And I haven't had a drink since. Within a few short minutes, it's hard to sum up, right? I always right. like ask a lot of uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. extra questions yeah, to get That's people off their yeah, story, yeah, yeah, but right. it's hard to sum up, you know, uh, from 2000, you know, so now it's been 18 years, right? Yeah. Uh, I know you have a wife and you have a family. Mm. Talk about your wife and your kids, whatever you want to say there. So I'm, so I'm back sober again. It was 2000, um, July of 2000 is my sobriety date. The night before, um, when I was, um, when I was out drinking on July 1st, I went to a rave and a rave is just a big party. I don't even know if they still have them. <laughs> I think they do. Do they? Yeah, okay. yeah, because I've heard my kids talk about oh, them. So oh, right. no. They're still oh, no. around, yeah. Oh, no. So I I, um, I was at this rave, and there were these other guys that were DJing. They were in the program. They were sober. They were at this rave DJing, right? And um, and I ran into these guys there, and they, and they said, Hey, Jeff, hey, man, are you sober? Oh, heck no, you're not. You're rolling your head off, you know? And I was just like, oh, which means I was doing some stuff that I wasn't supposed to do, I right? So, so anyhow, I, I just, uh, I ran into these guys and again when I, uh, you know, the next day or so in AA and they were going to um, young people's meetings. And I thought, young people's meetings? Well, I've, I've never been to one of those. What is that? And I started getting involved with all these young people's meetings. And it turns out there are young people's meetings that are just strictly for people. Now it's not really restricted. <laughs> I think there are still guys. Yeah, they don't card you on the way yeah, in. Yeah, exactly. Sure are you yeah. too old? Yeah, exactly. So I started getting involved with all these guys that were, all these people that were young and that were younger that were in sobri in sobriety and we started going to um uh tiki paw and icky paw and all the ricky paw and right. like all these all these young people in alcoholics anonymous meetings all over the place we traveled all over the place yeah, and, and just so people know out there the the reason they're icky paw or icky, ricky paw or whatever is because they put the y i p p a young or young, young people, people in, in, in alcoholics, alcoholics anonymous on the end so it's an acronym and wherever they're going they 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 slap the name of the city or the conference on the front of it that's right and they had they had these young people's conferences in texas every 3 months and man i i just um I ate that stuff up and it was so great to be around young people like these guys that I had run into when I was using. I mean, these guys, these guys weren't, I mean, these were guys in recovery, but they were still out there doing stuff in life, right? 
So anyhow, I got sober again. I started hanging out with all these, uh, all these younger people and, and about, um, I had some more of that really emotional love affair turns into obsessive nightmare stuff go on the relationship stuff. And, um, I ended up, um, at a group in a group in Addison and I, um, I met this, um, I met my now wife. She walked in and she, um, she was, you know, pretty new sober and she, well, let me just, she was brand new sober. <laughs> and I thought there seems to be a pattern here. <laughs> I know. Right. And I thought, and I had already, I had already sworn off women at that time in, in recovery. Right. I thought, well, you know what? I'm never going to date another girl in recovery. And I was praying and I had, I had prayed for the perfect ideal. And I was asking God to help me not repeat any behavior in the past. And I really meant it. I really meant it. And this girl, she came in and she, she got her own sponsor. She was away from me. I didn't do anything with her recovery wise, except for I'd see her at meetings every now and then. And we dated for four years. And then we, we ended up, um, we ended up getting married. So we got married in, in, uh, 2009. Yep. Now we've got, now we've got two kids. We had, um, about a year into our marriage or about, I'm sorry, five months into our marriage, we were going to, we had decided we were going to go with her family to Vegas. We, uh, we all flew to Vegas and we had a good time and it was kind of fun. It was my, uh, I think it was, yeah, it was my first time in Vegas or whatever. And we, we flew back, um, we flew back to Dallas. Her parents flew back to Austin. They were driving home. Her parents were driving home from the airport and they had to drop her dad off at the hospital because he is having some, some issues. So they dropped him off and they were driving home themselves. They got in a head on collision with a drunk driver on the way home and her, her aunt broke and separated her shoulder. Her sister broke both femurs and her, both of all the bones in her lower legs and, um, and a hip and her mom had a severe open head injury and, um, broke a shoulder and an arm and, um, they, uh, it threw our lives upside down and we had the people in AA surrounding us. I mean, we had, we had people praying for us. We had people available to talk to. I mean, it was, it was, uh, it really helped us out a lot. I was, after that happened, I was kind of, it kind of made me take a step back. Right. Cause I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, I, that could have been me. I could have been that guy that caused that accident and her too. I mean, my, my wife was just, I mean, it was, it was really hard on us. And I thought I would never think that I would have to be on this side of something like that ever happening. Right. Cause I'm the guy that's, you know, crazy going around, you know, tearing stuff up all over the place. I am that guy. I mean, how, and how could this happen to me? You know, I mean, really that's what it came into because it, it made me think, you know, wait a minute. Now, how could, how could something like this happen to a guy like me? I pray. I, I go to AA meetings. I go to uh, church. I, I'm involved, right? How could something like this happen? And you know what? 
um, I just, I just, um, I kind of, I kind of just let the clutch out. You know, when, when that thing happened, I just kind of had to, I just kind of had to realize my humanness, if that makes sense. And I, I just, um, my entire, my entire time being sober this time, the, the guys that have been around me have always told me, they're like, you know what? My job is not to hit the accelerator. My job is just to like let it coast a lot of times. And I, I, that has been a huge part of my recovery. You know, I mean, I, I came in here and I didn't have, I never did find finish college, by the way, where I got after my freshman year, that's about as far as I got, you know, education wise. Um, and I, I'm not, I'm a horrible worker, right? I mean, I probably worked every single place around the, uh, the AA meeting that I sobered up at. And I couldn't hold a job for more than three weeks at a time, even at the coffee shops that I was working at and the tobacco shops. <laughs> I've had to learn how to do all that stuff. And I have had, it has taken a lot of time and it has taken a lot of working the steps and reworking the steps, looking at where I am wrong, asking God to remove it and letting him have time to remove it and not trying to do it myself. It has been and a lot of times it's been really hard because I had things like this happen, like the wreck. And I'm like, I'm powerless. I can't do anything about this. I can't, I can't, I can't make this pain stop. I've, I've had, I mean, kind of went off on a tangent there, but we, so after, after that thing happened, um, me and my, me and my wife, um, had a, um, had a baby about, eight months later, six months later. So our first, our first child, you know, we, we didn't know, we didn't know what to do. We didn't, I mean, I never intended when I was getting sober, I never thought I never intended to have a child. That was not on my agenda. My agenda, it was just to, you know, live in deep Ellum, play guitar, you know, for a band, maybe a little bit and have, have a girlfriend and just hang out and drink coffee and smoke cigarettes. Right. That was on my agenda, you know, but I never thought about living somewhere in the suburbs and having a family and having a, a regular job, which is now that my company, you know, I, mean, I don't, that's not stuff that I really set out to do from working the steps and recreating my my life with this power that i found in aa that's what's happened and that's that's what keeps me doing stuff today you know i mean when i came in here i didn't know anything my my sponsor coming in here he used to tell me he said jeff you know what you don't know your ass from a hole in the ground <laughs> and man that couldn't be more true and he also told me he said he said and i i love this he'd say Jeff, it's eight miles in the woods and it's eight miles out. And I love that, you know, cause I always think about that too, when I'm running, right. When I'm on a long run, I go out and I'm like, Oh crap, I got to make it all the way back home. I better bide my time and watch the sun and make sure I don't run out of sunlight here. And, you know, but I mean, really this, all this stuff that, it, that happens, you know, um, I, I know that, you know, my, this stuff is all on God's time. You know, the things that I wanted that I've wanted to happen in recovery and in my life, you know, they've, they've kind of, they've way, I mean, everything that's happened is way different than how I ever thought it was going to end up, but it is 
way, way better than I ever thought that I could be. So, I mean, it's amazing, really. God bless you, Jeff. I really appreciate it. Thank you for coming in and sharing your experience, strength, and hope today. I really do appreciate it. I noticed you brought your big book there. Was there something in particular you wanted to read before I close this out? When I came in here, like I said, I didn't know that everybody was the same. I didn't know that everybody thought like me and acted like me. And, um, you know, this is this is this part in A Vision for You, and it says... Our fellow worker will soon have friends galore. Some of them may sink and perhaps never get up. But if our experiences criteria, more than half of those approached will become fellows of Alcoholics Anonymous. When a few men in the city have found themselves and they have discovered the joy of helping others to face life again, there will be no stopping until everyone in that town has had this opportunity to recover if he can and will. And, you know, that's been, that's been my experience is that by working the steps with another member and by working shoulder to shoulder with other AA guys, you know, that my life can change and my life is completely different than how it should have been. God bless you. Thank you so much. Thanks for sharing that. Thanks for sharing your story with the Sober Speak audience here. And uh, uh, if there's anybody who wants to uh, uh, reach out to me directly, if you have any comments for Jeff, you can uh, contact me by uh, I'm at feedback at soberspeak.com or john at soberspeak.com. They both go to the same place. And I am also going to read from a vision for you to close us out here. This is from page 164 of the big book. It says, abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the spirit. And you will surely meet some of us, like me and Jeff, as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. Once again, thank you so much, Jeff, for popping by today. I'll keep coming back. Thank you.